Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Creatives Ignite. I almost said Design Recharge, but either way, um, you're tuning in or you're coming live and I so appreciate you listening and watching. And this is the beginning of a new series and I get, well, or a new segment. I don't know why it's because it's not like I'm following it up with other people who make documentaries or maybe I'm asking people specific things about getting um, in burnout or overload or getting out of a creative funk. But today we, we, we will be talking about some of those things. But I want to tell you who this person is sitting next to me. Well, pseudo next to me, right? We're on two opposite ends of the country. But Chris Martin, it, I met at Bend design in October of 2019. Um, it was the last trip I made before the pandemic hit, pretty sure. Chris, I met there. He was doing um, some podcasting stuff. He's also a podcaster. He's a filmmaker. He's a designer. He's an educator. He loves helping people. I think, I don't this is probably not your tagline, but this is what he does for me. Um, and for a lot of other podcasters, he helps them to make this idea um, more of a reality. And I used to think, and I said this in the newsletter. So if you got the newsletter, this is a little bit longer um, of a newsletter today because Chris is one of the people that has helped me hand over the reins. Chris, do you, well, before we get into it, tell them who you are, where you are, and what you do. I thought you did a really good job explaining who I am, but I'll do it again just for okay, please. Sake. I'm Chris Martin. I live in Vancouver, Washington, on the other side of the country from Diane, as she mentioned. And I'm a filmmaker, podcaster, writer. I like to play guitar and keyboards and other forms of music. And I like to dabble in a lot of things and try things and fail and all of that good stuff. So that's in a nutshell who I am and what I do. Okay. Well, we all, honestly, <laughs> if we're doing a good job at being artists and creatives, we are trying new things and failing. Sometimes we might not share those things out loud with other people, or we might just share it with our close friends. But ever since Bend, um, Chris got to experience me in a very uncomfortable position at Bend. Um, I was on uh, a panel and I was just being me and I'm pretty positive. And there was somebody else on the panel that really didn't like me <laughs> and it was fine. It's totally fine. I'm if she's not going to like me for me being who I am, that's awesome. Like I, I, I'm it would have been bad if I wasn't who I was, but it was super uncomfortable. And I had this thought, I shouldn't be here. I remember walking to lunch by myself and I sat next to some stranger and we had a great um, lunch um, and me and the stranger, not me and Chris. I mean, I, I'm sure hope, I hope you had a good lunch that day, Chris, but, um, but it was a very, um, I, I really did think, and I, you know, when you're in an uncomfortable situation, you can't really see it. You can really only see it from your point of view. And I felt like I was representing myself fine. I actually just felt really bad for the lady who hated me. Um, because, you know, I, anyway, 
So, but Chris got to tell me later kind of his take on this. And I think this is where, because he was honest with me from that initial kind of thing, which it was awkward. It It was, was and for you in the audience, it was awkward. Yeah. Yeah. So it was a panel of many different types of people across many different uh, just worlds. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a creative conference. It's a great creative conference. You're going back. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'll be there this year. Yeah. It's in October. Mm -hmm. Ben Design. If you look it up, it's awesome. I met Troy. He's here. Um, it, it, it's just, it's a terrific conference. Um, so Chris and I have been friends since then we started meeting and then we started meeting more and then it was, it was the pandemic. And so, um, we, I think we just started meeting about once a month. Mm -hmm. I don't remember exactly, but we still meet once a month. It's usually on the eighth, but sometimes we have to change things up. And so we actually get to meet on Thursday this week. That's our eighth. So we, I mean, I hope you still meet me tomorrow. If not, you can let me know later. But <laughs> I'll um, let you know right now. We're meeting. Okay. So, and what we do on these conversations is we just have real conversations about work, about life, about things that we're thinking about or reading. Chris reads more than anybody I know. Like, I think Demi reads a lot. Demi, if you're listening. I think Chris beat you on the reading. Um, but hey, Jared, um, one of the things that make the most difference to me, I mean, I love him as my friend, but Chris does a podcast and his podcast is awesome and is called Getting Work to Work. And I'm going to put the link in the in the chat. And there will be lots of links that I share that I want you to go and listen and watch and do these things uh but maybe not right this second maybe listen to this if you're just finish this one and then go or put us on hold who cares but one of the things i love um and this is why i think me and chris clicked is that he can take somebody he i believe he believes that there's everybody has a story yes so he has more podcasts than me. I've been doing it for almost 12 years or 11 and a half years. He's been doing it for se- seven, seven years, yeah. seven years. It recently was the seven year mm-hmm. and he's like got a thousand and eight hundred. I'm just kidding. Not really yet, but he's got how many pot, how many number? Well, how many? Today was 719. 719. So does um twice a week not always but oftentimes he does an interview he interviews people he loves talking to people loves learning this is he is curiosity in a bag he can pull things from people's interviews that i'm like yeah and i've told him this many times i'm like oh yeah i heard the beginning i i mean you know he'll like this week we're gonna be talking about this right i know we haven't gotten you're like hello can chris please talk But I want him to say why he started getting work to work. But I want you to understand this has been one of the things that I love learning about a whole lot of things. And he pulls from people. So I think he's a very powerful interviewer. Um, So I love the questions that he asks. And he's a great listener. And but he's interested in what people are saying and he, there are crazy stories that he has told that i would have never heard had i not listened to his podcast so if you like being curious and learning about a whole lot of things even things that you're like interested in i don't listen to a lot of music so i wasn't but then there was this jazz uh was it jazz he was a jazz professor 
It was fantastic. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to skip this one. And then I couldn't put it down because I was like, oh my gosh, it's so good. So tell me why you started getting work to work. I was teaching a professional practices class. I think it was 2016. And a student came up to me and just said, hey, I really love what you're sharing in class. And I wish you had a medium outside of the classroom so that more people could listen and and learn from you. And I don't really listen to podcasts, so I never thought, oh, I should start a podcast. Uh, so I, I wish I could remember exactly who convinced me to start a podcast, probably a friend of mine who had one for a few years. And it was one of those experiences of just like, I know I can talk about something for maybe 10 minutes or less. I didn't really think that I had anything to say, which is, I think most people that I come across, uh, I don't have anything to say. And so I'm like, I can do once a week, 10 minutes or less. And, I, and I'll just pick a topic and talk about it. I had no idea that I would interview people. That wasn't in the original design, primarily because I was coming from a documentary background mm-hmm. and I was really comfortable sitting across the room from someone and being able to make eye contact and to feel the energy in the room. And it just wasn't the same on Skype because that's how I was doing the interviews in the uh, beginning. And then I got to about episode 10, I think. And I'm like, I'm going to run out of topics. I'm going to get boring really fast. And so I just reached out to friends and like, hey, I'd love to interview you. And it wasn't until I interviewed Alicia Cologne where she's like, can you turn the camera on and we can make that visual connection? I'm like, right, sure, we can do that. And I think that was the moment where the interviews really took off because of that experience with her. I think it was episode 58 was when we connected and it was a mind blow. I obviously still remember it to this day. And I still credit that student every time I see her, I'm like, you're the one, you're the one that started this journey. And I think she loves that because it, it was something that was important to her. And the fact that I listened and did something with it made all the difference to her. Okay, so coming from a documentary, um, you have that of pulling the story out. You're asking people things and then you're recording it, but mm-hmm. it's you're not on the on camera. And you do this a lot. You still make tons of movies or tons of films for people, uh, for your clients. You go, you travel and you do this. This is one of the things that you do. Um, so what was it about, because you still do monologues, so mm-hmm. you... Did you, after number 10, did you like, then you started interviewing friends. Were you still doing the monologues? Like when, when did you get to be a monologue and a interview a week? Cause this is, it's a lot. I mean, I do one interview a week. I don't even edit. You edit it for me. And it's a lot. It's a lot to do. And this is a huge commitment time-wise finding people. I mean, and you're every week almost you are putting things out sometimes it's two monologues or you know like they're anyway so and seven years is a long time to do it yes yes it is i think i was finding the schedule that worked for me so i love the weekly cadence because what it does is it creates a structure that made sense to me 
since I work for myself, I need structure or else I just kind of flounder uh, and I'll do other things. So knowing that uh, Wednesday is the monologue day, Friday is the interview day. And if I don't have an interview, that's when I do two monologues just to keep that rhythm going. And I, I think I dabbled with three times a week one year. So I did Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And uh, that was a bit much because that required almost a double amount of interviews to go find. And I think that was when I really burnt out from it for a while. And I took a short break and then came back to it and stuck with the weekly to a week rhythm. Okay. So how did that scratch the itch? Was it just solving that need for that student or what was it doing for you? I think what it did for me was validate my experience, the stories that I had to say, the the ways that I could connect with people. Um, it was it was more than just sitting in a classroom and trying to make a topic come alive. It was, well, let me let me see what I have to say about this topic this week. Or like right now, today's monologue was a reflection on vacation and like what this was my first vacation after a pandemic and i remember laying in bed one night going i don't even know who i am on vacation anymore and and kind of like reflecting on that and i think at first it was dealing with all of the issues that i think beginner business owners will experience like generaliz generalization versus specialization and now it's more like the the human aspect of business mm. is a little bit more interesting to me i don't okay. know if i answered your question i think you I did along the way okay so one of the so how one of the things i love is that you i don't know i don't think you prepare a lot of questions and you send questions do you I do sometimes, but I had an interesting feeling earlier um, this month was I kind of felt like I was relying too much on the questions and not mm. listening enough. And so yesterday, my interview, I didn't send any questions at all. Uh, and it was someone who could kind of riff, like some people need the questions to mm -hmm. feel like they can be prepared. Uh, but I find that when I can have that launch off question of what are you endlessly curious about mm -hmm. and really listen and take it all in, it gets to be a little bit more conversational and you get some unrehearsed gold. Yeah. That stuff that, that that's there that maybe people don't know they need to talk about, but we need to hear. Yeah. And you can kind we of need to hear that rehearsed stuff. Right. You can pull out some things and I think this is one of your superpowers is because you are able to connect really with people, but you're also able to, have you always been good about drawing people out? Has that always been a skill that you, is that like a, you've just always been like that your whole life? I remember listening a lot as a kid. Like I didn't really show that I was listening and paying attention and that got me in trouble a lot because I, I I'm a wanderer. So like I need to wander around and, and touch things. I'm a very tactile person. And so I would get in trouble sometimes because they're like, oh, you're not paying attention. And yet I could recite back everything that was said. 
And so for me, it was more about just listening to what was going on, what the emotions were, the frustrations. And I didn't really ask a whole lot of questions in the earlier years. It was just listening. And I think as I got into documentary, I started also really getting into this old journalist named Bill Moyers, uh, not Bill Maher, Bill Moyers. Uh, and he had interview shows all the time and he would release interview books, which were edited from his do uh, documentaries and conversations. And that's where I really got hooked with questions was reading how he would draw out those questions from politicians and pop culture celebrities and artists and writers. Okay, well, I one other thing that blows me away is that you do read a lot and you read a lot of all kinds of things. And I do think you are curious and you do. That is the one question he asks either at the beginning or the end of every episode. And it's kind of nice to have that as something that as a listener, I can always Ooh, what are these people curious about? Is this going to be something that I am also curious about? Or is this going to be somebody who's just so different from me? And I like that. So what are you endlessly curious about? I'm endlessly curious about two things. What people really want to do with their life. Mm. And just knowledge in general. Okay. And, and I'll I'll read a wide range of books from spiritual to science to it doesn't really matter the the religious connotations I, i'm just curious what people really think about what matters to them what causes them to make the decisions that they make um because i think we live in a society that tells us we need to be a certain way in order to be accepted as opposed to just accepting people for mm -hmm. who they are and where they are absolutely I love that about you. You are very accepting. Um, and I think that's one another reason people feel comfortable with you on the I mean, people from all different kind of backgrounds, all different kinds of things that they're interested in. And I think that you being well read in lots of different things helps you to be able to connect with them in ways that I wouldn't because I don't read those things. Not that I'm against reading those things, but whatever. But you are really I was about to say, really well read. You are really <laughs> well read. Thank you, Tweety Bird. I know. <laughs> so um, there, there's something else that I think, um, so you're a good connector. Like you can, you clue in, you're really good with reading people. Um, I do appreciate when we're doing things and you're, we're visual. So I, I get to see your face and that, um, Another thing that you are really good at doing and um, is telling a story. So in yes, in interviewing, you're an excellent interviewer, but you're also really good at telling a story. So it could be that it's like the documentary, but for all these years and doing all this work, um, you kind of got burned out. I did. Maybe not kind of, maybe for real. Very burnt out. So, but you're not just a reader, you're a writer and you've been a writer for a long time. And some things that were like on the shelf written that yeah. I am like, oh years. my gosh, please put this out. This is so awesome. So a writer, a reader, an interviewer, you're putting it, you're asking people, you're connecting with people, which I think is 
brilliant of you, but you're also an amazing helper as well as uh, um, another part of, I think you have like lots of hats you wear professionally. So, but telling a story. So you're burned out. I want you to tell a little bit about this because then you, you started making this documentary. You had an idea to make this documentary and then you started it. And I want, um, I'm going to put the links in the chat and you guys need to like type the little three dots you can hit save chat or just copy and paste them because these um are amazing and there's a series and you should subscribe on youtube to chris's channel okay i'm gonna put them in the chat you tell them about how long was the burnout or i think the burnout has been there for a long time and when i say a long time probably since 2016 wow uh but it was low level then what does that mean low level it means that it was there, but it wasn't like blow up your life and go do something else kind of level of burnout. But then when the pandemic hit, kind of a lot of work dried up. I tried to pivot to do all sorts of different things. I took like a coach training program. I'm like, I'm going to be a coach now, like all these other people out there. And I'm just like, yeah, that's cool. But I don't know if I want to be a coach and and do all that stuff. And it was around 20 what year is it 2022 last year where i i got to a point where i was just so burnt out i couldn't look for work anymore because i was just so tired and so i went and got a full-time job at home depot and And man the podcast during that was awesome too because you were learning so many things Yeah, it was great for a little bit because I was learning things about myself, but retail, people that love working in retail, God bless you. Um, That that wasn't me, though, because my body just kind of broke down from 20,000 steps a day and pulling 100-pound toilets off the shelf and and just got really tired. But as I was going through that, I, I quit because a client had said, hey, I got some work lined up and it's going to be great. We're going to redo our entire content library. And then it fell apart after I quit the job. And that's when the burnout really got worse. Um, it, it, it kind of quieted down when I was working at Home Depot because I didn't have to do the level of creative work that I was doing um, afterward. And so there was really a reckoning of how am I going to deal with this? And one of the things that I've done in the past was I made a documentary series in 2010 called Innovators of Vancouver. And that was just a a way to practice telling stories and learn my equipment and connect with people. Those were my benchmarks for that. And so I'm like, well, why don't I do something else? But (laughs) <laughs> Great question, D. Does burnout mean I'm not making enough money and ratio to the work I'm putting out? Yes, 100%. Uh, because it wasn't the reflection of the creativity that I was doing. It was flat out money. Well, creatively, of- did you feel like you were burned out also? Like you couldn't tap into? I mean, you had already written a book at this point, mm-hmm. but yeah. it's it's... And you typed it in, you're in the editing phase and you had to put it down because it was too, there were other things bubbling up. I think money was the, there was, there's a very long standing relationship that I have with money. And this is connected to the burnout because I, 
I just hit a point where every time my business would get to a point financially, I would get to that barrier and be like, I don't want to deal with what's on the other side of this barrier. And generally it was, what if the money doesn't come? What if I have to deal with not being able to pay bills? What if I have to deal with the unknown? And that's generally the the quit point where I would quit and go do something that I knew there was certainty. And then about four months would happen and I would jump back to my business and I would have to start over every time. And so the documentary series wasn't a response to the barrier. That was just an idea that I had had for a long time of wanting to tell these stories visually because I would meet all these artists and artists don't translate sometimes well enough to an audio platform. Sure, their their philosophy of art is so fascinating, but I also want to show the work beyond just a photo. And so I'm like, well, in January of 2023, I'm going to really launched the the documentary series. And in my mind, I had grand, grand aspirations of, I'm going to do it every month. <laughs> no, that didn't happen. Which it's um, a lot. It's a lot to, I mean, you're filming, you're going out, you're, in, I mean, at the interview, you had an idea of that you could do it in a weekend, I think. I did. Yeah. Initially, I'm like, I'll do, you know, the interview, I'll get on the B-roll and we'll call it good. And and so the first episode with Jack Kent, you know, we did the majority of filming in about three hours in the afternoon, but then we had to meet up again to get some stuff. And then that was that was great. It was a good amount of work for that first video. But then I met Highland Cattles, Highland Cows. And (laughs) That was one of those experiences where I think I went to the farm four times. I went to Cumbled Markets twice, maybe three times. And his farm is an hour from my house. So that's about an hour each way of drive time. But I loved it. It was one of those experiences of like, I've got something here. I've got something for me and for other people. It was it was pretty cool. Okay, so in this... Um, you have ideas of more people. It's not, I mean, you're still doing it, but what I hear is that doing it only if doing this once uh, releasing it once a month was too much for you to do while you were trying to do client work and, and all the other stuff. Right. Oh, way too much. Uh, and, and I miss understand my own ability sometime. Because um, what happens is I'll get other ideas and and want to run after those as well. So uh, what happened, I'm working on the third one still. And I've been working on the third one since I think May or June. And what happened was I did the interview with this artist and his workspace totally blew my mind. Like I walked into this room and I'm like, this is amazing. And I started thinking, how does our workspace affect our creativity? So I'm like, I should make a newsletter about that. <laughs> and so that's that's that was the genesis of relaunching my newsletter and and wanting to do something a little bit different too. So it's like I'll interview the person and then I'll transcribe it, edit it, and make it a text-based interview. 
but then add photos because I want to, you know, be working on my photography as well. And, and so that had created this rhythm and conversation about the workspace separate from the interview. So uh, it helped to kind of see what getting work to work could be beyond just a podcast and a documentary series. And now it kind of feels like a cohesive platform for creativity and the work that we do. Okay. So then you, it sounds like you were burned out creatively as well as just burned out of the business. And it's a lot to try and run a business and go after clients. It's the, uh, there's, you know, you have video clients that you do regular videos for, Mm -hmm. um, you have, I'm sure some of those are one-offs. There's things that you've done like film training videos for people. Um, but then you also have a whole podcast uh, portion where you've walked people through. You have a course that walks people through um, setting a goal and then releasing a podcast. Um, your content creation, you are a wizard at because you're able to do the writing. You're able to do um, taking photos or you mid journey, you were against, and then you listened to Demi talk about it. And because yep. you're my podcast editor, so I knew his ears. He's like, I'm against this. And I'm like, maybe you didn't say against it, but you were like, I, I don't want to do this. <laughs> I'm like, oh, he's not going to like this episode. <laughs> but no, it was but- good. It, it, it changed the whole perspective that I had about image generation. Thank you, Demi. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, it was a really good one. And um, so you also are editing people's podcasts. And this is where I'm just going to say this one thing that I was alluding to in the beginning. So thank you for holding on and being okay with my ADHD. So one of the best things, I'm going to ask you this, Chris, what is the one of the top five best things you've done for your business? And I would love everybody to answer that. Like if you're watching on YouTube, type that in the chat. If you're here live, type it in the chat. What's a decision you've made, Chris, that has been the best thing you've done for, or one of the best things you've done for your business? Stop quitting on myself. Ooh. When I would find myself near that barrier of what is on the other side, generally it had nothing to do with clients. It had everything to do with me. And I think it was a, a commitment to the vision that I had for my art and for what I wanted to do for other people. And I, I think I recently had one of those aha moments where I knew that I had been quitting myself. Mm. And so putting together these newsletters, putting together all this work, yeah, it's 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 a whole separate world that I'm developing, but it's developing my future as opposed to ignoring the future and hoping that what I want will work out. Cause Chris and I talk and we text every day and we share dog pictures and animal pictures and all kinds of things. Um, And so I can't remember where, if this was in a podcast or if it was just a conversation or text, but you said something about, shelving it was um this idea had been shelved you Mm -hmm. had done something and then you'd put it and i think we all do this right so um 
but this was really powerful to me. And I wrote it down as, oh, what have I been shelving? So can you explain that a little bit? Because it was pretty powerful for me. I would say about 20 years ago, I had started writing a collection of poems that I wanted to release into a book. And I I have a stack of probably a quarter inch thick of poems that were just shelved. I, I set them aside because one of the things that happened along the way was someone said, these aren't good enough. And generally my response to that, my response to that is either quit or double down and be like, I'll show you. And so a lot of, a lot of my projects are responses to, I will show you <laughs> the innovators of Vancouver was, I will show you. But for this project, I quit and they sat for 20 years. And at various points, I pulled them out and be like, oh, these are pretty good. But it, in the process of starting a Substack, I, for getting work to work, I had also won as the author. And I'm like, well, what if I shared these poems, but rewrote them as to who I am today, 20 years later? And so in a way, I'm kind of having this conversation over 20 years time between this dogmatic, idealistic, hopeful person to someone who's a little bit cynical, a little bit world weary, a little bit hopeless at times. Uh, and so in a way I'm learning from myself then. And I don't know, it's this weird kind of pattern of yeah, I like what this person said, but this is how I would say it now. And I love, I love this. So this is another thing that you can subscribe to. And I love it um, because it says something to me. It's not, to, it's not uh, what Chris is teaching me. It's more about how it's connecting to me. And I think that for poetry, for me, or like music songs, you know, it's really like, this is my song. This, it's not like whoever wrote the song, it's theirs. It's really... I can connect to it so much, but I love that on the Substack, uh, this is Chris Martin writes W R I T T E S, whatever dot substack.com. All these links are going to be at the top of the episode if you're listening or watching, but he has the written one and he's cause they're not typed in. I mean, they will, they are typed in now, but, but they're, he crosses off things and edits them by hand. So you can kind of see what the 20 year ago Chris wrote. And, mm -hmm. and I think, oh my gosh, how many of us have just tossed that stuff? Like we can't actually come back to who we are and see how much growth and how much. Um, and I think that that's one of the things that's so powerful to me about being kind of voyeuristic I, a little bit on for this, but it also, I really love the poetry. And I love that Troy said good enough. That's subjective. It's always based on opinions and opinions are always changing. And I totally agree with that because, but how much we are holding on to what someone else said. And as a teacher, man, I think, man, it's so, it's so heavy weight weighted on me because I don't want to be the teacher. I know I'm a hard teacher and I say a lot of things that are not 
but I'm trying to get them to get a job, right? I have reasons why I'm hard. Um, oh, and Jared says, Chris, you're speaking to my soul today. I'd love the opportunity to meet you directly. Talk Anyway, would that be possible? I love Jared. He's awesome. Yeah, met him at Creative Stuff. Um, so the burnout, you had this idea and uh, went uh, 10 years ago. You did the 2012, you said. Um, for teaching or for for the um the uh innovators of vancouver that was 2010 yeah 2010 so 13, 13 okay. years ago. okay so yeah i'm not great with math here buddy um, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> i have a so, calculator on my computer <laughs> so um in 2010 you did this innovators of vancouver you still liked this this mm -hmm. was a i'll show you yes and i just think there are so many things that I can relate to. I think Jared can relate. I think probably B can relate as well. I think that if you relate to either shutting down because somebody said something to you and just never going in that path or um, saying, you know what, buddy, I'll show you. Right. Yeah. Um, and it, that is really a commitment to yourself, which to have done 710 episodes of a podcast where you're not with other people in the room like we are right now. You know, I can't do it without this. This is the only way I can do it. And I appreciate y'all being here. Um, but like, like to know that there was something that one person said, what do you say to that Chris from long ago that listened to the person who told you that these poems weren't very good? Did that person write poetry? Yeah, he did. Oh. He, he's he's I would he's a dabbler writer I would say, uh, but I trusted his voice then, mm. and and so I needed that external validation as mm. a as a creative. Then um, it's still something that I'm learning to shed and learning how to listen and ignore if I need to. But early, I mean, I was a very insecure creator when I started. But I was also very arrogant. So not only was I insecure, I was arrogant because I didn't think that I was that bad of a creator. I thought I was great, but it was the truth was I wasn't. But I didn't believe what people were telling me, mm -hmm. uh, whether it was good or bad. I just believed that it was good. <laughs> so I had to learn over time to balance that and, and, get better and to practice and to fail because early in my career i wasn't i didn't want to fail uh i i thought that failure meant that i wasn't good um whereas failure has no reflection on whether you're good or bad it's just did it work or not i love that you should write that down that is amazing when and i edit this i'll write that down <laughs> okay but to me that is we do when we're and I'm not saying young, I'm saying young at whatever we're trying. We yeah. tend to not want to fail. Mm -hmm. Other things we are professional at. Um, and so we're like, why is this so hard? I must not be good. Or we just can't take um, the type of feedback it takes to grow. Yeah. And I think I think that that's really important. And now you don't mind failing so much because you've it's not that you've done just one thing. You've tried lots of things. But I think the other thing that's so important uh, 
about letting you see this is that you also are helping people who have an idea for a podcast or a, um, a movie or a video or a film that they're trying to do. And you get to be the guide and you get to help them um, sound the best that they can. You get to um, guide them on, hey, maybe that's too much content right here. They're like, let's do three a week. And you're like, let's try one a week, you know? Yeah. So how does how does guiding um, and being the maybe the producer or the editor, how does that play a role in you understanding failure maybe better? That's an interesting question. I know, I'm sorry, I, it wasn't on the sheet. Oh, there was a sheet? No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I think when people come to me and they say certain things about frequency or having their podcast have to be perfect, I think that creates the conversation around failure because generally that is the response that people have to anything that is made. They want it to be perfect right out of the gate. They want to invest all this time and energy into episode one when they might not hit their stride till episode 100. And that's a really hard thing to tell people because if they've never done it before, they think that with a little bit of coaching, they can be great at one, but it's very rarely the case. I mean, you have to find your rhythm. You have to find the way that you speak because the way you speak is reflecting upon the listeners and that feedback from the listeners changes how you speak. But then not only how you speak, but how you edit, how you tell a story is reflected in multiple ways from speaking, from editing, from sharing, from conversing. And, and that's really hard. I, I think failure is multiple points. Um, and if you try to perfect one, the others might crumble. Um, I I was once told that my edits could be heard. Ooh, so what does my, that mean? That means I was trying to make it so perfect that by taking out ums and filler words that so I was just making it sound robotic. So oh, I made yeah, you I made stickers that said, I hear your edits. Mm -hmm. Again, when people say certain things, my response is I will show you. So I created but, merch. But you um helped me with that because at camp you were like, these are you really need to not cut out all the ums. It's really hard to listen, Diane. And I listened to that because I know I don't know what I'm doing. So I'm like, okay, I'm leaving them in. And I go ahead. I think people think um is a failure. Mm. Um is not a failure. Oh, that's another quote. That's a good um, sticker. Um is a point of learning for you. Um is a space. So you can either say um and know that in the future, I'm going to remove that from my repertoire and be like, okay, I will pause before I say something. But, you know, take it out sure i mean i will edit some ums if it's what i call a clean edit meaning there's space on either side and i can clip it cleanly but i mean it all depends some people really need that to feel like they will be accepted um but i i like to say acceptance comes over time i don't think that we are able to 
if you don't have somebody editing, I mean, to be honest, the reason I didn't have anybody editing my podcast for so long was um, is a lot about trust. Mm-hmm. Because when I had hired other people, so I had Ashley for a long time, and um, and she's moved on, and I miss Ashley, love Ashley, but it's good. Um, people have got to do, you know, you want best for people. But for so many years, Saturday was Diane sitting in front of her computer editing. I mean, and editing is pretty a uh, rough word there for Diane because I really wasn't editing anything. I was just plopping in some music maybe and then putting something in the front. And it was it was rough, but I was getting as much of a of what I could do. But it I thought I couldn't afford it. And I thought that it's not that I didn't need it. I knew I needed it, but I honestly thought that it was, I should be able, and you have told me this too, you shouldn't be shooting on yourself, Diane, right? Right. Um, And I think that it, so it was a mindset. One, I needed somebody who I could trust that I didn't even need to listen to the episode. I just trusted that um, he understood what my voice was and understood what I was trying to get across and he chooses to leave things in. Sometimes he is, um, he's like, I put an extra little graphic. I'm like, Oh yeah, do that extra words or something. I love when Chris does that because then it is more collaborative. So in this episode, we're using new music in the beginning. So maybe you guys are, who are all here um, for real Um, today. You'll have to listen in to what he, we picked out new music for the beginning. And I mean, and to me, I don't, I just, Chris edits it and he puts it on YouTube and it's waiting for me to publish. And this was one of the top five things I've ever done for my business. And I've hired other people and it didn't work. So what was different with Chris is that he really cares to listen to me. And I think that is that teacher in you, that guy that is, um, such an amazing, but at the same time, you're also this amazing artist that is also a writer. And um, you have so many lessons to share that for me, I love that you work with me on what we're doing. And if I ask for, hey, could you help me? We do that as something separate and that's where I pay you separate, but you still are a brainstormer with me. Um, And to me, there are certain people who are really professional at, at what they do, but then they don't really know how to get in the bucket where I am. I'm in a bucket, not even a kiddie pool. You're like in the ocean. and But you can get in the bucket with me and understand where the, the fear or the um, stress is. And when I hear another podcaster say, oh, yeah, I'm, ha- I'm editing all these. I just don't know. If I can keep going, I'm like, that was me. I used to say that. But as soon as I hired Chris to do this for me, that, and I mean, and I just knew he was doing a good job. Um, It was such a relief. And that's for anything. If there's something that anybody is doing that they really don't think that this is, they, somebody else who's a professional could do it. I would just ask, go go talk. You may be able to work out something that is is going to 
be something you can afford. To be honest, I would do stop other things so that I can make sure that I can afford this because this is such a relief for me that allows me to continue to make this. So for me, hiring Chris was one of the best decisions I made and and I would hire Chris uh, if it that was for me. But I know you've had other people who aren't Maybe they weren't able to edit their own. And so they didn't have that. They had an idea. And you even helped them on the idea part. Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. I, or I whatever think you want to say. One thing that I want to say about, about making assumptions about what things cost is if you, regardless of whether it's editing or production or photography, illustration, don't assume someone's prices. Don't assume that you can't afford something. Don't assume that they won't work with you. I am fully in belief that every creative should be paid for what they do, but we should never assume what is affordable to us or <laughs> too expensive for us onto someone else. So have that conversation, but also don't jump in and ask for the discount. Start right. the conversation. I love Diane's approach of just making friends. Um, I, I love to pay people what they're worth. That means that maybe I won't get as much over time, but that means that one thing is going to be amazing. And then I feel good that I could support someone else's creative work. So never assume that that would be my first kind of thought about editing. In terms of the idea though, I think people assume that editing is about, you know, polishing what's there. But editing is as much having that conversation about what will be there or what you want to be working towards. So, yeah, editing is opening Premiere and knowing what to keep in and what to take out. But sometimes it's the conversation of, you know, sending a text to Diane saying, you don't need to mention the question list so much. That's future editing. You know, that's that's putting that thought into her head about how can I rethink my question list? or whatever point that I bring up. One time Chris said, Diane, if you could have your questions so that you're not having to look down. And so I really have tried. I do have my list, but I have it also sitting next to me. I need something to cross off that. I. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. but he's helping me with those other little things like the, um, if I said, um, I don't know if I say, um, a lot, hopefully I'm not talking that much. Um, but when I'm, I think it's those little tweaks and it's that you aren't wanting someone to change everything about you in one recording, but you're going to work with them over time. To me, that is the, the beauty. So when I said, I listened to the episode, um, docs episode when I was putting it up and I was like, I just don't like that first song anymore. I was, and then I texted Chris, I was like, I'm going to find a new song for the other after, um, after Dustin's episode, let's on your episode, let's start from then on doing a different opener. And, you know, I don't know. This is one of those things I'd be like, well, Chris, and I haven't asked him this yet, but I'd be like, well, do you think that it's really important to have the exact same music every time, you know, or is it important to have it over chunks of time? Like I, you can answer that question. I tend to go the same until I get bored. And then I'll drop something new in and be like, ooh, I like that. Until I get to a point where I'm like, I don't like that anymore. Uh, over 719 episodes, I've changed probably five or six times. 
sometimes interviews have different music than monologues. It just kind of depends. And I think um, the nice thing about me being able to edit my stuff is I can just be like, all right, I'm going to try something new this time. And I don't have to ask for permission. I don't have to have a conversation with anyone else. Um, but then, you know, like with you, Diane, I'm like, I, I'm not feeling this music anymore. And he, we both had that same thought about the music. And that's cool. That's collaboration. Yeah. And I think that that's also something that you need. You need to be able to, and maybe you're just really good at this, knowing how thick my skin is in certain areas to be able to say, hey, let's, um, what about adjusting this? Can you try not to do this or try to do this or whatever it is. And I think you do have to read if he just came um, at, I mean, there's still one thing he can't, he told me about, and I still haven't fixed it because it's on a list and I have to go back and find that list, but I want to fix it. He knows exactly what I'm Apple podcast picture. Yes. Cause I came, I couldn't figure it out, but Chris figured it out. And then I just haven't had time. And it's like, that is one of the things before the end of the year, because I want all the bad things to happen in 2023. I want that to be something that is moved on. So in 2024, I will have a new pod Apple podcast picture for sure. Um, so I want to go back a little bit to the special projects um, because I think that this is giving you new life. It yeah. has for other people when they do special projects, when I do special projects, you are, you're encouraging me. Oh my gosh. If you have him as somebody that helps you with editing, this is again, one of the things that I love about Chris is, and I know you do this to your other podcast people because you've told me, maybe you don't, message them as much as you message me because you're my my friend friend um but but like you are such a, he when i publish something because he knows what my goal is when i publish it he is there and cheering me on and i that is something you don't realize that you need but and when i have a good episode he's like wow that dimmy episode really changed my mind about um about uh mid journey or ai creation of images and right. i just think that he's listening you know if he's not here live he's listening and to me it's just really important to have people who are going to that you're going to collaborate with and work with that um that can can listen and be on the same page okay so how do you schedule in now that it's been going since January, you get a better idea. How do you schedule in these special projects? So when it comes to like the the podcast, so I would classify everything that's getting work to work as a separate as a special project. So like I mentioned with the podcast, you know, monologues on Mondays or Wednesdays. So I record them on Tuesdays generally. Sometimes it's Wednesday. And, and I know for myself that I need to write first thing in the morning. And the first thing in the morning is generally like 8 a.m., 9 a.m., before noon. And then on Fridays, I'll be releasing the interviews. When it comes to the newsletter, though, the frequency that I found that works really well is I like Fridays. And so I have kind of a plan, a structure of week one of the month is like an essay or some updates. Week two is the at work with series where I interview creators about their workspace. Week three is feed your curiosity. Week four is spark your creativity. 
What if and there's that, a week five? Then it's a giveaway. Woohoo. And and again, I have like this sheet of paper over on my wall that kind of breaks down all of those those uh schedules, that structure. Did you and have that when did you start that structure? When I had the idea to create these different focuses of the newsletter, I then had to like write it all down through the end of the year so that I could see it and feel like it wasn't going to be too much. So is this something recent in 2023 or was this earlier? No, this was recent. So this was, I would say probably, I'm going to look at the wall here. I would say in June or July, it was, okay, I have these ideas. I'm going to just schedule them out and see what happens. It was an experiment. So in experimenting, so one, I'm hearing I need to experiment, especially even in content creation, if you're having so that you don't burn out, but you also have a structure um, to be able to tap back into. Yeah. Was there any other? uh, So you're doing client work, you're doing getting work to work. Then what about the... How did you find time for the the documentary? That one's a little more challenging because it requires so much additional out of the office time. So writing is one thing. I mean, I can just sit down, I'll I'll get an idea while taking a shower or driving in the car or laying in bed feeling the existential dread of who am I on vacation. What whatever it is, but you know, going to these documentaries is a little bit hard. And I still have a little bit of imposter syndrome to work through on these documentaries. So even with this third episode, I'm like, oh, you know, it's not going to be good enough. Or what am I going to do for B-roll? So I have this weird existential, you know, imposter syndrome that I'm going through. And it's just part of the journey, I guess. And And I think it's just making the time for that as opposed to using that time to worry about it, using the time to work on it. I love the documentaries. And for me, it was like, um, you know, when you smell cookies mm-hmm. and then you get to eat the cookie and it was like, I knew it was coming, but I finally was able to eat these cookies and they were delicious cookies and they're just such a neat story. And it re- for me, it's such a great addition to getting work to work. Mm-hmm. And I love that you had an artist, uh, Jack Kent, uh, in the, the first one. But then the next one is this farmer who used to be a lawyer, or I guess yeah. he's still a lawyer, whatever. He but, is no longer a lawyer. Well, he might still pay his bar fee. <laughs> who knows? Um, um, but maybe not practicing. But he has these super cute. Um, Highland cows, the, these cute and cows. delicious. <laughs> They're really cute. Oh, I don't know about delicious. I haven't eaten them, any of they them. Are. Um, but that, and you told this really different. You know, maybe it's not so different, but it was. It's a different kind of story. So you think, oh, it's artists. Let's we'll see all artists. And I loved again. That's why it's so great with getting work to work because they're always about all kinds of different things. Yeah, and I love that. And I, I mean, I also really think those cows are cute and I've seen them in Scotland and I would like a drawing of them. But so really this is some now in the beginning in January, it wasn't so much the imposter syndrome. It was more, you were excited and you were having fun. Yeah. Well, I think it's always kind of there when it comes to video. Cause I think 
there's so much video now on YouTube and, and some of it is just amazing. I mean, people just sit around and play with cameras all day and it makes you feel bad about, you know, <laughs> your work, but I have to remember what is my goal. And I didn't necessarily have a goal of what I wanted getting work to work to be. Uh, and now I want it to be like my future. Like I, one day in two years, I want it to be what I'm making a living from. I want to make a living from the podcast, the documentary series, the newsletter. And I wasn't clear on that until most recent, most recently. So I know what getting work to work does for me. What do you want it? The whole thing, the, the newsletter, the writing, the, um, what does what do you want it to do for the audience? I want someone to experience any part of getting work to work and then go and do that thing that matters to them. Hmm. I want them to be able to get any ounce of fuel that they need and go create the work, the life, the world that they want for themselves to create the relationships, to create their own show, to create their own reality in a way that, you know, I don't, maybe then they never consume another thing that I make, but that was enough for them to like propel their future. That's enough for me. Okay. I love that. I also, you're always learning. You, Chris are always learning, but you're also um, what makes you a great writer is that you're observant and you're able to communicate and be vulnerable with what you are learning. And um, and it's something as artists and designers and creatives that we're we're having to sh iron sharpens iron and we're having to make changes to be able to get sharper and fresher um, and grow. Yeah. So I I love that. I so next in this in the documentary series is more videos, right? We can expect more documentaries. I've got one more this year. So I, I don't think I can do another one this year apart from the one that I'm working on. I think if I can do for 2024, a quarterly release, I think that'll be very realistic based upon how I think about next year. Um, and then in 2025, if I can do one a month, that would be awesome. Okay, so um, in two years, if you're doing um, getting work to work is what you're doing full time. How are you finding new people? How are you finding new people to have on the podcast? How are you finding new people to make um, documentaries of? Is is traveling something that you're doing? Um, because I, I don't know how I, you meet all these great people. <laughs> When it comes to the podcast, that one of the things about podcasts is that it's a public forum. So your information is public. And so I get on PR mailing lists a lot. And so I get pitched daily. And sometimes they're really interesting people. And other times they're clunkers that I don't really want to talk to. And I, I just, you know, that's just the reality of it. So I do get a lot of pitches that I respond to, but I also am an observer, like you said. And so I'll reach out and be like, Ooh, I really want to talk to you. But it, what's great is now having multiple things. I can be like, I don't know if I want to commit to an hour with them. They're going to be more of a 
a documentary series that I want to spend more time with, mm-hmm. or they might be great. Like their workspace is amazing. So maybe they're going to be the workspace or maybe it's just like, I want to share their work at, to someone else. And so they're a, a link on the newsletter by having those multiple forums with different levels of commitment for myself. I think that creates a forum for multiple levels of commitment for other people as well. Okay. I love that. All right. So who's your ideal customer or client? And well, before I ask you, um, (laughs) so what about the book? Oh, the book. Yeah. So you really have two books now, a poem book and a book book. Yeah. I've I've got way too many things clunking around. But that's part of the getting work to work full time, getting work to work, those things, those kinds of projects. Correct. So one of the things that I launched just recently actually was a paid Substack, And the reason that that came about was I had a friend. Well, part of Substack is you can pledge support uh, before you turn on paid newsletter. And it kind of gives you a clue that people value your work. And so a friend said, I'd spend $8 a month on that. And then I'm like, oh, that's really interesting. And I I had several other kind of things happen to where I'm like, there's something here. And so I turned on the paid newsletter and my idea was I would create um, a version of this program that I created during the pandemic. And so I called it Forge Your Future. And each week I would just send a prompt uh, on Substack and just be like, this is the prompt for this week. This is what I'm working on. But instead of it being a passive thing where I just share it and never do anything, I'm like, I'm going to finish my book in 16 weeks. And so on January 2nd, 2024, I'm going to release the book uh, called A Curious Journey. It's kind of a memoir about my relationship with curiosity as it relates to myself with relationships and with community. It really, I've, um, on the podcast, you've read some. Mm-hmm. Um, it isn't. It is about me. It is about you. It is about. I mean, it, it, if you're a creative, you're gonna feel like it's about you. So to me, um, it's it's really good, and I can't wait for this to finally get released. Okay, and there will be an audiobook version as well. Yay! That's the way I like to listen. Um, he knows that, but he doesn't listen to podcasts. So. Um, <laughs> Or audiobooks. <laughs> okay, so my one question, the last question was, who is your ideal customer or client? Let me read it up here. I'll see, look, I'm using what you've taught me. Um, are there any projects or clients that you're looking for or what work are you open for right now? I think the main thing that I look for is someone who has something to say. Maybe they have a little bit of trepidation or fear or insecurity around it. And I find that that when they're looking for someone to really bring out that story, mm-hmm. that's that's what I enjoy the most. I if someone's already polished and coming to me to polish even more of their polish, uh, it's not as interesting to me. But if it's someone who really wants to form this diamond of a of a voice, I'm more interested in that. So I guess it's the people at the start of a of their journey. Not just the start of their career, but the start of something new is where I'm interested in because it it I have I feel like I have more to say to that than just let's make 
a professional thing even more professional, I guess I'm not interested in that as much. And these are people from all all different areas. This isn't just designers or illustrators or typographers or letterers. These are psychologists or any business, anything. Yeah. Right. I, I really, it it's, it's more about the intention of the work, not the content of the work. Okay. So I want to make sure that everybody knows how they can get in touch with you. And the sub stacks are in here. Are they, how do you sign up? to um beyond the forge your forge your future so the way substack works is generally when you visit the the website you get a little pop-up that says that you can subscribe for free and you enter your email address uh with the getting work to work substack there's uh the free stuff and then there's also a paid version uh, and it's Stripe. So you enter your information and you can be like, I want to do it monthly or I want to do it yearly. Um, no obligation, of course. There's always going to be stuff that I give away for free just because that is my nature. But it automatically pops up for us. There's not like some extra place we have to go. No, it's Re- just to subscribe. Okay. And then you can manage your subscription. And it's, it's, I really like the platform a lot. There's something about it that speaks to my level of creation uh and it's it's a whole ecosystem that i'm still learning about which is great so i just want to read these out so getting work to work and that's to for two dot com is the podcast the mm-hmm. newsletter is getting work to work dot substack dot com and then on youtube please go watch these and s- subscribe to his channel it the they are terrific. If you are curious and you like to learn, they are short documentaries that you will want him to keep going. But he's coming out with another one sometime in 2023. So just it's these again, you're smelling the cookies. Um, so he we will get to eat the cookies. That is youtube.com slash Chris. Well, it's at the at symbol Chris Martin Studios. Which I know there is another Chris Martin, supposedly. I don't know. He's in some band. But this is Chris Martin Studios with an S. And then the company website is chrismartinstudios.com. So if you were like me and you needed podcast help or you wanted to do a workshop or a course or a video or podcast, um, I do a lot. Sorry. Yeah. No, that's, I was just, I'm trying to think about the, things on the website and the pull downs, um, then you need to check him out at chrismartinstudios.com. And then the Chris, the poems are at the Substack as well. And that's Chris Martin writes mm-hmm. rather the W R I T E S. And then um, ha- leave him a comment on the Jack Kent video or the Rick Marston video or both. Um, and, um, cause I'll, I'll look and see, and you can always tag me in that. You can just say at creatives ignite. I think the cows are cute too. That would be awesome. I would love to see. <laughs> it's just nice to see things being put together and they're really well done. We didn't talk about how you met the guy, but you met him at the farmer's market, right? No, I actually had a friend who volunteers at the farmer's market that he goes to, and so I was looking for a farmer because for whatever reason, I'm like, oh, farming would be interesting. And so she's like, oh, you should talk to this guy. And so I called him and we talked for about an hour. 
and and he's like, all right, I'll I'll do whatever we need to do. That's awesome. We did. All right. Well, I hope that you guys enjoy it. I um, I'm glad that Jared, you were here and you uh, that it was speaking to your soul. Um, sometimes our work can be um, really heavy and um, we're just plunging through. And but this is why I love when we can do things together, because mm-hmm. to me, when we're doing it together, it doesn't seem so alone. And um, when we're failing, we can share what we're learning. And then it doesn't seem so much like a failure. I'm glad you don't feel like it's a failure so much. To be honest, you know, look, I think I can't wait for the video. It's the story, right? Well, I, I love the interview that I did. I just haven't watched it. And so the the hard thing is with, with creative work is if there's too much time from when you did something, you only remember what you didn't like. You don't remember the good stuff. And so I think that's kind of where I'm at with it. So I have a note for this weekend to open it up and at least watch it so that I can replace those icky memories that, oh, yeah, why did you do it this way with, oh, this was actually really good. Okay. So I have one more question about Forge Your Future. This is really for me. Take it away. Okay. So when is 16 weeks? Because it's 16 week course, right? I wanted it to be through the end of the year. Mm -hmm. And so 16 weeks is December 26th. And then January 2nd will be the launch point or the celebration point. And that includes a halfway celebration on October 30th. So it for me, it was just wanting to create, again, this structure, this rhythm for the paid thing. So the paid newsletter goes out on Mondays to prompt you for your week ahead. Oh, and nice. Whereas the, the free one is like, ooh, celebrate. It's the weekend, that kind of thing. Yeah. Okay. So, but when, can you count back, back 16 weeks? So if we wanted to do it with you, how late are we? Uh, so this Monday will be week three. Week three, so the kind of nice thing is like I'll do it again in next year. So each year I'll start it and do Forge Your Future 2024. Whereas this is Forge Your Future 2023, and you can always go back. That's what I was wondering. So yeah, they're it, archived. So you can just look at the archive and be and start it whenever you want to start. You it. can catch up. Or just do what you start want it at your own time and it'll just be late. Correct. With everybody. <laughs> Yeah. Okay, well that's good. It's good to know. I like the um that you're doing it with us or a couple weeks ahead if somebody wanted to start it now. Do you yeah. think that somebody needs to have a very clear goal? Part of it is the idea is that you might discover your goal along the way. Mm. So if you aren't quite sure, maybe week 1 is like exploring what things could be. Uh week 2 is maybe refining it. Um you never know. I mean, sometimes we have clear ideas of what we want to do. And other times it's like, maybe I need to start just reflecting and setting aside time to be able to do these things. Um, I I find that my creative process is very much a cyclical process to where, you know, I'm doing things that I've done for 20 years and it's just finding the right way, the right package, the right format that makes sense to my brain. Uh, and, Eventually it works out. I love that. This is the last question for real. I'm sorry. It's so long. You're going to be like, we're not going to talk tomorrow now. Um, (laughs) So do you think most people hate the way they sound? Yes. So I hate 
I hate the way I sound at first. Uh, I think it's just natural. We we think that because we hear our voice through our the reverberations in our skull, so we think that it sounds horrible. But in reality, you know, most people sound fine to me. Right. So if that has been something that's holding someone back from telling their story and a podcast doesn't have to last seven years, it doesn't have to last however many long I've done it. It could just have, Hey, I have an idea. I want to put this out there. I have the story to tell. It doesn't have to be this super long commitment that you make, right? There are ways people can do this. I just don't want, I want someone who's thinking, you know, I've always wanted to do this, but I hate the way I sound, or I don't think I can do it for five years. Right. Are there any other big stoppers for people? I think the, the downside of having 719 episodes is they think I could never do that. So they judge their starting point from where I'm at seven years later. Um, and, and I think we just naturally do that. Uh, I think sometimes what's great with podcasts is that you can do seasons. Yeah. And so people can do like a 10 episode season and then reset over time. Yeah. I find that seasons is a great, is a great way for people to budget their money as well. Oh, that's and a good so, one. Cause, cause I mean, the ongoing cost of editing can be expensive to, to people. But if you say 10 episodes, it's going to be X dollars. I can budget for that. That's a great way to think of it, too. Yeah. I didn't think about that. Mm, that's good. Hey, it's raining again. Yay. It hasn't been raining here in like over a month. So it's so super happy that it's raining. Well, Chris, I'm super thankful that you edit this and you edit it every week. And I know that it's longer than an hour. And then you have to put it in that other thing twice and all the things that you do to make it sound good and that you're always collaborative with me and that you give me ideas and that you are endlessly curious and that you are such a good friend. I just appreciate it. And I appreciate that, uh, Jared, he's already subscribed. He's ready. And I just, um, I hope that you guys will be excitement on the excitement train on January 2nd when Chris uh, launches his book. So we'll have him back uh, on the show to talk about that because this is a huge celebration. I've been waiting for this book <laughs> a while and well, I am excited. It was funny because I had a moment over the weekend where someone asked me about it. We were having lunch or dinner and and they're like, so what's this book? And I, I'm like, told them and and then they said, well, when's it coming out? And I paused and my wife's looking at me like, say it, say it. And I said, January 2nd, 2024. And, and it felt like real at that point. Sometimes we do have to put those um, deadlines on ourselves. Yeah. And we have to tell people. Yeah. It's the telling part that's hard. And the other thing is that we won't have a show next week because I'm taking the week off because I need to read the book, uh, finish reading the book of the guy who is going to be the week after. And I'm really excited. It's about play and creativity. So I can't wait for uh, to have him on the show. And um, but I wanted I've just been overloaded and I'm trying to listen to my mental health and my body. And when I'm needing to take some time, I I'm just going to take it. It was planned on a 
Diane a rapid recharge, which we know is never rapid. It was going to be one of those, but um, I'm just taking it off so that I can get the things done that I need to do. And I know Matt Wood is in October. I have um, Amy Lynn is in October. So I'm excited to have some new people on and what what what's next to explore. So Chris, thank you so much for doing all the beautiful work on the podcast and that I never have to worry about it and that you're always willing to be a good uh, guide and helping me make it better. So thank you. And thank you for sharing your space with me today. Thank you for being here and for being with the red mic. (laughs) The clown knows. (laughs) The clown knows. All right, guys, we'll see you in two weeks. And um, I hope you have a great, a great week. Okay, so I wanted to remind you that you can help um, my friend Doc and his wife, who um, is having a second round of cancer. So if you want to help save the Tatas again, you can click on the GoFundMe link that's at the very, very tip top of this episode. Then underneath that is all the Chris Martin episode links. And then there's a link for if you want to read the whole newsletter um, on Creatives Ignite website for this episode. But I wanted to make sure that you knew how to go and help save Julie and their family. Just um, she wants to do things. She's already gone through the the way that they told her to the first time a couple years ago. And um, this time there's some more risks and they have four girls and she wants to be around and I want her to be around. And I also would love it if people would let us, um, if insurance would allow us to do some uh, non-traditional ways of uh, beating things or trying things. And if I wish it would cover it, but it doesn't. And so I don't want Doc to have to work uh, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And although he would, I know he uh, is doing the best he can and is absolutely trying, but just like it would for anybody, um, they just need a little help. So I am putting the GoFundMe link at the very top um, for the rest of the year. And I just hope that you guys will um, give a little to help just support that family. And it's, I hope that I hope people would, if anybody needs something like that is, this is where this community comes together and just rallies. And even if it's, you know, the cost of a coffee, that's great that you're just giving up one coffee for, for them. And I think that that's an awesome way to do as well. It doesn't matter how much it's just that you sacrifice something for another creative. So I hope that you'll consider it and, um, uh, the link is, um, you can always go to the Chris Martin episode um, on Creatives Ignite, which is the documentary series. And I'm trying to think, like, what's the name of this? It's Chris, uh, the creativesignite.com slash Chris hyphen Martin hyphen the hyphen documentary hyphen series. And the link is at the bottom. And that one's at the bottom. It's Save the Tatas GoFundMe. And it is GoFundMe.com slash F, like final, slash save hyphen the hyphen T-A hyphen T-A-S hyphen again. So I hope that you guys will join me in helping them out and raise some money for Julie to have the 
kind of uh, health care, she is wanting to try this soon. And let's pray to beat the cancer. Okay, see y'all in two weeks.